worthy to be praised today. Welcome to Hillcrest Baptist Church. It's good to see everybody here. I hope I have some visitors here this morning. If you are here and you are a visitor and it's your very first time at Hillcrest, or maybe you've been here and it's just been a few years, all right? We would appreciate it if you fill out a guest card for us. It looks like this right here. I just pull it out of nowhere, don't I? It just pops up. It is a guest card. Please fill that out. It can be found in the pew that is directly in front of you. Please fill it out. Drop it in the offering plate, or you can take it back to the welcome desk at the end of the service. But either way, please fill one out. Go back to the welcome desk after the service, and we have a special gift there just for you, all right? So if you would, please stand, turn around, shake hands with, with your neighbor, hug somebody's neck. Hillcrest, if you see a visitor, make sure you go to him and tell him how much you appreciate him being here this morning. Amen? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Most high. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Most High. The name of the Lord is a
This morning, all right. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. And I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross. Amen. He's worthy. Amen. You may please be seated. Amen. Well, good. We need to lift his name on high. I think we get our name lifted too high, don't you think? And so I hope he is being lifted up this morning. And uh, I believe he is. You seem to be worshiping with Travis today. And uh, Travis doing a tremendous job. But, um, brother. Um, Brother Nick Bruno has been a tremendous asset to our band. Um, this guy is uh, amazing. But he told me just not long ago, he said, this is what God wanted me to do. And so he can still do it pretty good, amen. <laughs> and I'm glad God let, him, let us have Brother Nick. And I told him if he left, I was going down the highway on my hands and knees licking his boots saying please don't leave please don't leave and uh, so we and also his sweet wife sits over here in the youth she's trying to be young think young act young brother Nick still plays softball 72 years old I can't even get in my truck hardly and there he is. but I want you if you hadn't met his wife uh, I want you to go and go to her today and just say, man, we're glad you're here and, and meet her. Uh, I don't know where she's comfortable with that kind of stuff or not, but uh, as you pass her, just tell her, we're glad to have you at Hillcrest. And we're going to go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Well, we're glad to have all of our guests, as Travis has already said. Could y'all hear Travis this morning okay? I hear y'all hear him all right? Okay, good. All right. Brother, uh, where we go? Mark. Where's Mark at? Brother, come here, Mark. Brother Mark's going to lead us in prayer. And um, I don't know what now, four or five years ago when we had the accident. Six. Six years ago. He lost his arm, but now he is the bionic man. <laughs> And don't mess with him because he's got a tough heart here. But he also loves Jesus, and he's going to lead us in prayer. Let's pray. 
Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day that you've given us, God. It's a beautiful day outside, but it's also a beautiful day inside, Lord, when we can come and just worship you and just give you praise for what you're doing in our lives. Lord, we pray, God, that this day, God, that you would just open our minds and our hearts to receive what you have for us, God, and just, uh, Lord, let it just stay in our hearts that we can change our lives, God. You know, so many times we come to the altar or we pray, and then when we leave, Lord, things are not the same. But uh, just between the altar and the door, let it be the same, God. Let us be real when we were with you, Jesus, Lord. Yes. And I pray, God, that uh, you bless the singing this morning. You bless Brother Glenn as he brings forth the word. Uh, just give us what we need, God. And, Lord, I pray, God, you bless each one that's here. Uh, Lord, I pray that you bless their lives and their families. And they have needs, God. And, uh, Lord, you know what those are. But, God, uh, just reach down in the lives and hearts of each one of us, God. And let somebody be saved today, God. That's the purpose, God. Just come and uh, give our life to you, Lord. And if we don't know you, let us know you. And if we're just not where we need to be, God, let us come down here and let us get it right. Uh, we thank you for this day and for all that you're doing for this church. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. of my lungs I will sing it says and it says let the whole world know that I love you Lord you know what I love this morning for us to sing so loud that out here on Hartsville Pike there's two or three houses over there they're sitting there watching TV going honey you hear that you hear that you hear that I'm gonna tell you church we got something to praise God for amen amen so if you would let's stand this morning let's praise him this morning let's just pray
lift his holy name this morning. He is worthy of our praise. So let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher, be lifted higher. Lift his name this morning. Let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher, be lifted higher. So let your name be lifted higher.
Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Thank you, choir. Uh, am I, okay, I don't want to turn myself off. Um, I get turned off enough, I don't want to turn myself off. Acts chapter 5, turn there in your Bible. Um, I could use a little bit more mantra, please. Um, Acts chapter number 5, I'm preaching to the book of Acts. I have stopped here to camp about two weeks. Uh, in December of 1989, I preached on this text because we didn't have very many people and we had no money. We just had that little bitty building up on top of the hill. And I said, we need some focus for the future. And so I laid out for them focus, three focuses for the future, which would be the motto of my ministry and the motto of the church ministry. And then later on, we came up with a new phrase and and we used the need God, he's here, and he was. And, and But it, it's not as obvious now as it was. And so we just come up with a phrase that's got crosses where Jesus was. But this passage was preached 28 years ago. And it became the theme of every piece of material that went out from this church, which was preaching, teaching, and reaching. That was the theme. And it all come out of those last passages, last parts of Scripture in chapter number 5. That's where it started, started, uh, started in chapter 4, but it ends in chapter 5, this whole story. And that's where that text come from. And I'm just going to take verse number 40 and read that in chapter 5. Uh, you got it? Let, let's just move up verse 38. And now I say to you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it. Lest happily you be found even to fight against God. Even pagans don't want to fight against God. And to him that agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing in that they were counted worthy to suffer for such shame. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Now, what was the objective of teaching and preaching Jesus Christ? Reaching somebody for Christ, right? So that's where we got that theme from, and it's been on all of our uh, materials and, uh, you know, reaching and preaching, reaching, teaching. And I, I want to just kind of lay a little bit of that on you today. Just, I'll get probably, I won't get to the teaching part. I want to get to some of these other parts. But there's a whole lot of things that folks don't understand about salvation, don't understand about church. And we've complicated it so uh, that sometimes I don't even understand what's going on in church. But I believe the hope for Hillcrest lays in that text right there. Amen. I do. I believe it was built on that text. I believe it grew on that text. I believe it was anointed on that text. I believe many people are saved because of that text, and it's time to get back to that text. So that's what I'm going to preach on today, and I hope that you'll look at it where daily in the temple and every house they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Now, you know, there's some folks that wants to argue about how you get saved does baptism save you? Does good work save you? Uh, you know, does somebody sprinkle incense on you save you? All kinds of mess that people come up with today. Well, I, I'm going to tell you what, what God says in his word. Now, don't you, don't you just listen. What he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 16, 
and I could quote it, but you, and you don't have to turn it, but listen to me. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but to us which are saved is the power of God. Now, we know that, right? We right? We know that particular passage very, very well. But, and look what he says. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel in verse number 17. Now, listen, if baptism saved you, then Paul didn't get a soul saved while he was here. Not one. Because the gospel is the power of God, the salvation. Help me, I'm telling you, help me this morning. Gospel's the power of God and the salvation. Does it say that singing is the power of God, the salvation? Does it say giving is the power of God, the salvation? No, no. Does it say working? No. It says preaching. And I decided that I think if we build a church, that's the way it has to be. And I can remember going to pastor's conference and he, they, they said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to get up like I always do and I'm going to preach as hard as I can. He, they said, you can't do that anymore. I said, I'll show you. And I've been doing it ever since. God give me grace. And so that became our motto here, preaching. You come here, you're going to get either a sermon or at least an invitation, amen, to come to Jesus Christ. If I could get this church to join me in this emphasis that I'm talking about today, the glory of God would settle on this hill. It'd settle on this hill. There would be, now that's going to, there will be rejoicing at start taking place. I'm, I'm talking about real rejoicing. I'm, not, I'm talking about not, not fake rejoicing, but real rejoicing. And, and, and the camp over there, God would just do all that rejoicing in that camp at Hillcrest. I, I just like for God to see him do it here. Need God, he's here. I'd like to be able to say that again. So let other churches emphasize what they want to. The social, the recreational, the physical, the psychological. Now every church has to have uh, uh, a psychologist and a psychiatrist on staff. I understand why after the folks I talk to. I understand why. Because there's no pastor, no pastor in the world that could hold up under the mess you've got to listen to now. So I have to understand that. But we just had to complicate it too much, I believe. And as a result of it, we've gotten away from doing what God said do, and that was preach. Preach. It's true. Our ideas of growth have changed. I agree with that. But God's ideas of growth have never changed. No. No, we are... You see, we're building monstrosities today that really they just don't even come close to resembling a Bible kind of church when you walk inside it. Looks like a church on the outside, but when you get on the inside, it, it doesn't look like a church. And I want us, I, we've got a beautiful church. You know, I, I think we've got one of the most beautiful churches here. We've we got, we got our new uh, back road paved, and if you get out there at night, the deer are grazing, and there's one out there with a big buck. I've missed him three times already. Because <laughs> it's hard to shoot in town, you know? You got to get in between houses and in the ground, all that stuff. I'm kidding. Don't go put that on the news. Social media, really, Glenn, didn't leave me shooting. I hadn't shot anybody yet. But you come through my door, you better be ready. But A.W. Tozer said this, if the Holy Spirit, now don't you listen. Are y'all listening? Get your ears open. If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would notice. Ninety-five percent of what we do would go on and no one would notice. But if the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn in the early church, 90% of what they did would stop and everybody would notice. So we need to preach again, right? So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to have a little preaching session. And if you're a preacher boy, um, uh, 
I, don't, I want you to take some notes, and I want you to listen. If God's calling you in the ministry, I want you to listen. If God's speaking to you as a Sunday school teacher, or I don't care who you are today. God has a word for you. Congregation needs to get back hung on preaching, stuck on preaching, saying, I'm not going to a church that don't preach. That's the way it ought to be. And so, by the way, God had only one, only one son. You know what he made him? A preacher. Yeah, he made him a preacher. He didn't make him something else. He didn't make him a magician. He didn't make him a clown. He, he, he didn't make him a social representative for the community. No, he made him a preacher. So if Jesus was a preacher and the Father made him a preacher, I'd say preaching's pretty important. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 5 says, the one thing that kept the whole human race from being destroyed was Noah. You know what the Bible says about him? A preacher of righteousness. Not a preacher, but a preacher of righteousness. Eight people got saved out of the whole creation whatever that number might have been in that day. Probably not at the proportion we are today. So let's look first of all, um, and uh, I'm going to check your notes. I'm going to come after the service. We'll look at each one's notes, check them, okay? just want you to know that. Now, first of all, I want you to notice in, the, in this matter of preaching, the source of preaching. In other words, the where of preaching. The where of preaching has always been the word of God. The blessed scripture, 2 Timothy 4, 2, he didn't say, he did not say preach David Jeremiah. Blessed art thou preach David Jeremiah. Blessed art thou preach Charles Stanley. And I love these men. Thank God for them. That's not what he said. He told Timothy, he told Timothy that he need to preach the word. That's always been the source of our preaching. No matter how good the preacher, no matter how handsome the preacher, no matter how ugly the preacher, no matter how he stumbles or don't stumble, his, all, his source has always been preaching. So look, look at the methods. The methods of that source of preaching can be variables, okay? It, it, it can be variable. It can be an outline message like I normally give you, Many, most of you now are used to someone preaching an outline, having an outline, building an outline, unless I get crazy and don't have enough time to finish it. But I, I, I believe, and I was asked, Matt asked me a while ago, says, how many hours do you have in a message? I said, well, not right now, but in, in, in years past, for 23 or 4 years, I had 20 hours in many of sermons, maybe 15 in another one. Folks, listen, you don't just sit down and say, oh, let it come to me and get up in the pulpit. This came to me from God this afternoon. Now, people do that. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, and they'll call themselves Bible-believing fundamentalists. Hadn't studied a lick. Well, I'm going to preach it anyway where y'all say anything lost. But you say, why do you need structure? If you'll notice, most of the books you buy, have you noticed how they're developed? They're structured. They'll have, if they have 10 chapters, they'll have a topic for each one of those 10 chapters, and sometimes they will, they will have spots in there, bullet points maybe, that they use inside that book. So it needs to be structured so people can have some Thoughts, some uh, hooks to hang their thoughts on. Do you have some thoughts to hang on today? That's what they're for. That's why an outline also will help you remember the sermon. You can remember an outline, but if you don't know what the outline was, you won't remember the sermon. Am I telling you the truth? You just won't do it. That's the way it is. Now it doesn't. Everybody doesn't have to preach the same way. They can be. They can preach topical, just as long as it's biblical. 
They can preach thematic as long as it's biblical. They can preach uh, expository, which is what I do, line upon line, principle on principle. You, you see, you use illustration. You use application. Sometimes we even use humor. We use all kinds of things, but the source of our preaching is the Word of God that will not change. So, in the source of preaching, we see the methods. Now, I want you to look at the manner of it. It may be by gestures like I do, throwing my hands all around, up and down, doing crazy things. It may be running. You know, some preachers run here and run there. Some just kind of slowly walk. I mean, there's all kinds of gestures. That don't make a preacher. So, so, so let's get this source down. Methods is, is it very, very, very important. And I looked up in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the matter of preaching. I looked at every one of those, studied every one of the places to where preaching was referred to in the scriptures and as a matter of resource. Uh, and we can find it. Our, our matter is not, our manner of doing it is not such a big deal. But we've got to remember, whatever our manner is, where it's standing behind the pulpit like Vance Havner did, like this right here, and never looked up, just like that. And yet he's one of the greatest preachers ever lived because the Holy Ghost fell on him. Amen. That's why David, uh, Charles Spurgeon read every word Every word of his sermon was read line by line. So it doesn't matter about that stuff as long as it's all coming from the same stuff, the Word of God. Now, I, I, as I looked up all these things about this manner of preaching, first of all, the manner of preaching would, would, would be this, the proclamation by costing a person or calling out to a person. In other words, it must be urgent kind of preaching. And, and, I, and I have right now somebody on my heart, and he's sick today, and, and he's not saved. Now, I, I wish you'd just pray that God would not, that God would let him live today and that he'd give his heart to Christ. We'd have another time, chance to witness to him. Amen. But there's an, there's an urgency about our manner of preaching. And, and, and so you can get, show your urgency in different kinds of ways, but the manner of preaching needs to show some urgency. It's just hard for me to understand how anybody can preach without it out doing something in them. I mean, it's like Elvis not moving. He can't, he couldn't, he couldn't have. I mean, it just, you know, it'd do it. He just could start shaking. A whole lot of shaking going on. He didn't even write it. And, 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 and they had to move it up so the girls couldn't see it. I mean, that, that was just, that, that, I just, when you got something pinned up in you, when you got something bound up in you, when you got the fire of God living in you, you've got to be urgent about it. It also, another one I found was a preacher, in, in the, especially in the Old Testament, was a public crier that would run through the streets crying out divine truth. You remember? The British are coming, the British are coming. Remember, that's a crier. That's a town crier. And so there was a lot of those in the Old Testament. That's how they would get, they didn't have cell phones. They didn't have any, any kind of uh, uh, social media. They had no te technology of that day. So they used what God gave of their mouth to go and try to warn people about Jesus. The third thing I found out about preaching was the manner of preaching, it ought to, ever, whatever style you use, it ought to be to announce, to announce the good news. It's not bad news, it's good news. The bad news is you're lost and in sin. The good news is Jesus died for it and will save you. Now, another thing I found out about preaching, it says this, it says to say by topic and reasoning. It's the same thing as structure. In other words, in the Old Testament, 
was, was preached in that day, it was written in a Hebrew context that was structured. You see, they didn't have chapters in the Old Testament until when it was translated, chapters was put in there for us. It was, chapters was not in the original scrolls. They didn't, you know, turn to, you know, the 36th scroll and we'll see what's going on. They didn't do that. And so uh, it would be to, you know, to kind of reason or to set and to try to show people now, here's the thing they had that the old people didn't have. In the Old Testament, I don't mean old people, that's me. I'm talking about in the Old Testament, okay? There's a difference between the Old Testament and old people. Now, if you've lived through the Old Testament and you're still alive, come on, we, you, this church will be packed next week, I guarantee you. But, but, but what they would do was they would have a, they would write, and they would write in, in a systematic way or structured way, a way that they went from one topic or one subject in, in, a, in a line or in a way that you could understand. You could reason with them. What did Isaiah say? Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. And so... It was another thing I found out about it was to say thoroughly. I mean, get it out. Amen. Don't hold it back. Amen. Mm, I like to preach that at some pastor's conference somewhere. Get it out. Amen. Don't hold it in. Get it out. They say, well, there may be some folks leave. No, there will be some folks leave. No, maybe about it. But get it out. You're not preaching for those folks. You're preaching for Jesus. When we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, there will be those, and when we do it thoroughly, and when I'm talking about thoroughly, where we preach it in a way that they understand it clearly. And then I found out also, you ought to be frank, it included frankness. You, you ought to say it straight. Don't cover it up with sissy words. Say it straight. Say it straight. That's what got me in more trouble here than I've ever gotten. I say it straight. I can't do that sissy talk. If you want that, go to your psychologist. They don't even do it no more. They found out you, you, can't, you, you can't communicate. You just walk in, go through a session, and nothing happens when there's people that really don't communicate. Let's just be frank about it. If it's wrong, it's wrong. If it's right, it's right. If we need to do this, we need to do that. If we don't need to do it, we don't need to do it. Let's just get right about it. And then here, here's what I found out also about it. I studied preaching in the Old Testament. It, it, it meant to cram. How many of you college students understand that? How many of those who went to college understand what cram means? Where you stay up to 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning doing what you should have already done, but you was out doing some other things you shouldn't be doing and then you had to cram for that exam the next day and your eyes, you had to take toothpicks and hold, hold them to go up where they could stay and that was cramming, putting as much in and shorter time as you had. Y'all got it? So that's what a preacher has to do. So our manner of preaching should um, I guess reflect our mass, or at least match our message. Amen. Amen. I just come to tell you people today that Jesus loves you. I know you're sinners, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I wish that that wasn't in there, but you're sinners, and I just want to tell you God loves you. I want to tell you something. I'd walk out. I just I can't take that. Your, what you got inside of you ought to match your expression of it. Okay, look at the third thing. Look at the different messengers. God's way of preaching is through a messenger. Today, it is an evangelist or a pastor. You agree? God gave you a pastor, a messenger for preaching. Say, so we can do it without a pastor. Yeah, there's a bunch of them tried, but the Bible says this. How shall they hear without a preacher? 
So I'm just going to go with the fact that since God called me to do it, I'm going to do it. I've been messing up for 40 years if we're not supposed to do it. But to ignore preaching and to put it somewhere secondary in your life is to take God's specific word for you and to say to God, God, uh, now listen, I've got to go over here first before I tend to your business. There's some folks done that this morning. They ought to have been in the house of God. They ought to have had the kids in Sunday school, but oh no, they had somewhere else to go. Oh, we'll catch you next week, God. Since we're on it and since there have been folks that's questioning it, I'm just going to show you where it's at. I could preach the rest of the day on it, but I want you to turn to the book of Hebrews. This, is a, this will be the quickest way for me to do it. Hebrews chapter 13. And that's over in the New Testament, of course. Hebrews chapter 13. Do you have it? Everybody got it? And I want you to look what it says in verse number 7. Remember them which have the rule over you. That's what it says. I didn't put it there. I didn't write that. Who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. In other words, don't be short-sighted. Don't act, react too quick. Seeing Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now look at verse 17. I'm not done. Look at verse 17. Hebrews 13, verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Submission is willing. No, no pastor can force anybody to do anything. You willingly submit yourself to a pastor under a pastor's authority. And he says this, and for they watch for your soul. The pastor's job is to, is to care about you, try to make you live right. Amen. We don't want you shacked up somewhere. We don't want you a drunk and sticking needles in your arm. We don't want you borrowing money and not paying it back. We don't want you robbing liquor stores. We don't want you killing each other. We don't want that mess in your life. It's for you. Amen. And that's what he said one of these days, the Pastor has got to give account for every person. Make sure that he can do it with joy and not with grief, for that's unprofitable for you. If you step back there and murmur every Sunday or walk out of here murmuring every Sunday about what the preacher, I, I'm on, at, the, at, the, at the judgment seat, I get you. Yes, sir, I get you. Because Jesus is going to tell me exactly what was said. And I'm going to get to sit right up there and testify. And then Jesus Christ will dish out the rewards that we have. Different messengers, okay? And by the way, if you want that same teaching in the Old Testament, go to Ecclesiastes 12, verse 9 and 10, and you'll find the same teaching in the Old Testament. The church is to be set up with the pastor as the leader, the deacons as the servants, and the people as the willing hearers and servants of God throughout the church. So it's all be set up. Now, I'll challenge you. Bring me this book and show me any other way of church government in there. I'll challenge you because you cannot do it. And that's why churches are split and that's why churches has problems, because they do not want to surrender to authority. You know, listen, if you, if you have a guy, I man, don't preach the word of God, I don't, get out. That's right. That's right. If you're a visitor here today and you go, go some, get out. There may be somebody down right down the road, some old boy that's got it together. He got it going on. He sweats uh, running down his britches legs, you know, and he's got, got it going on. But look, now look. If, if, look at the scope of preaching, the who of preaching. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, Jesus told us who he came to preach for. And if you read that text, you'll find that Jesus came for everybody. 
He didn't just pick the rich. He didn't just pick the middle class. He didn't just, you know, he, he, he didn't have any caste system. Jesus died for everybody. Aren't you glad about that? I said everybody. That means me. It means you. So the poor people, they need preaching too. It's good news for them to hear that, listen, you don't have to, have, you, you may not have nothing down here, but you're going to a place where you're going to have everything up there. And then I think even prisoners need to hear because they're bound by the demons and devils and they need, be, need to be delivered by the power and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think the pure needs preaching. I see more church members that need it. I'll be honest, I'm kind of tired of preaching to just church members when no one invites any lost people, when we don't have folks come. And I'm not saying no one because I do know we have some folks who do it, and I thank God for them. But let me tell you something. My first baptisms in my first church, and I wound up baptizing the whole family. I mean, I'm talking about like this family, that family, that family, but they're all kin, like 15 of them. And one of the guys walked in and said, I'll never come back to that church again because back in my working days and in my running around days, I got into it with him and I was chasing him down the road with a crescent wrench. And, of course, you know I wasn't shouting glory, hallelujah, as I was going down through there. And so, sitting in Sunday school that day, we had a real, she, she was the most, uh, she's the best prayer warrior I believe I've ever seen in my life. And she said, she was always praying for me because I was wild, and, and, and I'd, I'd ask these questions just to mess her up, you know. And, and she said, I'll tell you what, Glenn, you take it to him. But not me. I just started here. I just started coming a little bit. No, 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 no. No, you, you take it. Today. So I went over there, walked in, dragging my toes, head hanging down. And I kind of got close to him. How you doing? Okay. And I said, here, here's a card. And I kind of flung it at him like an airplane, you know, like a frisbee. And uh, I said, can we pray? And he said, yeah. So I prayed for him. And I left. I said, I'll never have to do that again. One Sunday morning, I looked up, and there he come through the door. And he had about six with him. And before I got through, I baptized probably 18 or 19 people out of that one boy's witness. He was, the first, he was the first one to get saved. He's a pastor now of a church. I caught him back sitting. He was out of the church, and he was standing at that service station, and he was smoking, and, he, he, and, and back then I was a little harder on those kind of things than I am now. And uh, he, he, he saw me, and I knew it was there, but he didn't think I knew it was there. So I said, I'm going to sit here and talk and talk and talk and talk. And so I sat there and I talked and talked. And he kept looking down and he kept itching around and, and he, you know, he kept trying to leave. And I said, wait, 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 wait a minute. I don't talk to him in and on and on and on. And finally he just said, whoa, he would throw that thing down. I said, you better get right with God. Because I said, God don't have to let you live. God just takes you on to heaven and already saved you. He don't need you down here. He's got plenty of other people. And I can remember he get, when he got right with God, and God began to use him. Amen. Amen. And I thank God for those people. Man, shared with me today about a young man, about, they were working on top of a building about 25 feet tall. He called me two weeks ago and said, hey, 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 I just, want to, I just led this guy to Jesus. That he accepted Christ today as a Savior. And I, I said, he said, you wouldn't know his name, but he said, I, I'd, I'd been witnessing to him, working with him, and I led him to Jesus. And I hope he's going to be at church Sunday. Well, he didn't come last Sunday. I, he, I hope he's here today because I love him. I don't know him, but I, I, I know his I know somebody who loved him enough to tell him about Jesus. And so he, their foot, 
their footholds broke loose and he slid. And when he started off that roof, he started head down. And one, this, one of our brothers grabbed him by the legs and was holding him just like that, 25 feet above the ground and nothing under him but solid concrete. One mistake. One little bad thing, he had died. That could happen to any of us any time. You don't have to be hanging from a building. It can happen anyway. Let me ask you something. If you were in that place and he couldn't get to you, he couldn't get you back, you slipped through his hands. When you hit the ground, do you know you go to heaven? If you don't, you need to get saved today.